0: The Braille Forum, Volume 48, May 2010, Number 11 Published by the American Council of the Blind Read by Nanette Savard in the studios of the Cutting Corporation, Bethesda, Maryland The American Council of the Blind strives to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and to improve quality of life for all blind and visually impaired people. Mitch Pomerantz, President Melanie Brunson, Executive Director Sharon Lovering, Editor National Office 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia 22201 202-467-5081 Fax 703-465-5085 Website http://www.acb.org. The Braille Forum, registered trademark, is available in Braille, large print, half-speed, four-track cassette tape, and via email. Subscription requests, address changes, and items intended for publication should be sent to Sharon Lovering at the address above or via email to S l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g, at acb.org. The American Council of the Blind, registered trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, visit the ACB website and complete an application form or contact the national office at the number listed above. Those much-needed contributions which are tax-deductible can be sent to Mike Godino at the above mailing address. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office can make printed cards available for this purpose. To remember the American Council of the Blind in your last will and testament, you may include a special paragraph for that purpose. If your wishes are complex, contact the ACB National Office. Join the monthly Monetary Support, MMS program, and help improve tomorrow today in acb contact ron milliman by email r m i l l i m a n at i n s i g h t b b com or by phone at 270-782-9325 and get started making tomorrow look brighter today to make a contribution to ACB via the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection toll-free at 1-800-424-8666, 5 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time, or visit the Washington Connection online at http colon slash slash www.acb.org Copyright 2010 American Council of the Blind Table of Contents President's Message Jousting in the Legal Arena By Mitch Pomerantz Side 1 Additional Information for Social Security Beneficiaries and Representative Payees who are Visually Impaired By Melanie Brunson Side 1 Announcing Upcoming Sleep Studies in Totally Blind Individuals. Side 1. Go the Extra Mile for ACB by Burl Colley. Side 1. Wild Times at the Auction in the Wild West. Side 1. Seeking Volunteers for the Information Desk by Janet Dickelman. Side 2. In Memoriam, Lorinda Steele Lacey by John McCann. Side 2. Readers' Memories of Lorinda Steele Lacey. Side 2. BOP launches stellar 2010 candidates page. Side 2. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, Seeking New Members and Making Life Better for Older People with Vision Loss by Marilyn Lutter and Penny Reader. Side 2. Join the FIA Chorus. By Peter Altschul. Side 2. Rowing in Phoenix? Where's the Water? By Ariel Gilbert. Side 2. Book Market. Library Users of America to Host Book Flea Market. By Peggy R. Garrett. Side 3. One Book, One ACB. By Paul Edwards. Side 3. Affiliate News. Side 3. Here and There. Edited by Sue Lichtenfels Side 3 High-Tech Swap Shop Side 3 Forum Subscription Notes You can now get the Braille Forum by podcast. To subscribe, go to the Braille Forum page on www.acb.org. If you do not yet have a podcast client, you can download one from the forum page. To subscribe to the Braille Forum via email, go to www.acb.org slash M-A-I-L-M-A-N slash L-I-S-T-I-N-F-O slash B-R-A-I-L-L-E F-O-R-U-M hyphen L Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office 1-800-424-8666 or via email slovering at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll take care of the changes for you. President's Message Jousting in the Legal Arena by Mitch Pomerantz. In my March column, A First Step Toward eBook Reader Accessibility, I discussed the settlement of our joint lawsuit with the NFB against Arizona State University. Over the past few years, the American Council of the Blind has been involved in successful litigation against both the United States Treasury Department and the Social Security Administration. Outside of the courtroom, but still within the legal arena, our structured negotiations efforts, ably led by Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian, have resulted in settlements with a score of corporations to improve accessibility for blind and visually impaired persons. More personally, this past Monday, March twenty-second, I was deposed by an attorney—a blind woman, by the way— representing a local independent living center in a lawsuit filed against my former employer, the City of Los Angeles, alleging that the City's Emergency Preparedness Planning document— ...inadequately addresses the needs of people with disabilities. And yesterday, as I began this, Donna and I met with attorneys from the L.A. County Metropolitan Transportation Authority, Metro... ...regarding a pending lawsuit filed against that agency by the estate of a blind gentleman... ...fatally injured when he mistook the gap between light rail cars for the door into one of those cars... If all this direct involvement with lawyers wasn't enough to get me thinking about the legal process as a means of furthering ACB's advocacy agenda, I recently engaged in a spirited debate on a general California disability list over another lawsuit against Metro, which had just been settled and about which I had expressed serious reservations. Before going further, I want to make it clear that I am not an attorney— although I attended law school for a brief time during the mid-90s. My comments and opinions are based entirely on my nearly 14 years in a job where I was required to interpret and implement the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, and prior to that time, positions which necessitated my understanding of federal and California employment laws. As an advocate for almost 40 years, I've gained a thorough knowledge of other disability rights statutes, such as the Rehabilitation Act. Hence, while many of you may challenge what I'm about to share, my views are predicated on a fair amount of personal and professional, albeit non-legal, experience. By almost any measure, and from just about every reliable authority, America is regarded as the most litigious nation in the world. Trial lawyers the individuals who file these suits are extremely effective and powerful advocates in their own right the only evidence you need is the fact that every major legislative initiative aimed at tort reform regulating and or limiting civil suits has gone down in flames in congress let me make it clear that while i believe abuses exist in the filing of some class action suits Far more serious legal abuses have been perpetrated by corporate and government interests on a regular basis. Nonetheless, for a decade or more, I've voiced concerns about how many so called frivolous lawsuits are being filed, particularly those involving disability related claims. Such claims, while a relatively small percentage overall, are typically filed on very questionable legal grounds e.g. that the ada is a preferential treatment rather than an equal access statute these suits along with what i refer to as serial litigation suits filed against several commercial entities in a specific area have drawn the ire of chambers of commerce around the country and led to a number of unsuccessful so far Attempts to enact ADA notification statutes in Congress and similar legislation on the state level. The question is when and under what circumstances should ACB, as an advocacy organization working for the rights of blind and visually impaired people, take our fight to the courthouse? At the outset, I mentioned our tremendous success in using structured negotiations to obtain automated teller and point-of-sale machines, websites, and materials in alternate formats. For those in need of a quick refresher course, structured negotiations is an alternative to litigation, which focuses on collaboration and solution. It commences with a demand letter outlining the alleged violations under the pertinent state and or federal statutes, and requesting an opportunity to negotiate a mutually satisfactory settlement to resolve those violations. The process has worked exceedingly well in addressing claims of discrimination under Title III of the ADA, the title dealing with public accommodations, primarily commercial establishments. In my opinion, structured negotiations would not be effective in addressing discrimination under either Title II of the ADA— the title covering state and local government entities, or the Rehabilitation Act. The kind of blatant and systemic noncompliance with the Rehab Act demonstrated by Social Security and the U.S. Treasury required legal action in the federal courts to address once and for all. We would not have achieved our ultimate goals and victories in either of these cases through the structured negotiations process. This July will mark the 20th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. The Rehab Act was passed in 1973, although the implementing regulations took until 1978 to be drafted. The zealous pursuit of litigation by some disability rights advocates is certainly understandable, resulting as it has from the perception that there has been widespread nose-thumbing toward these laws by the private sector state and local government entities and the federal government itself the american council of the blind has never entered into litigation lightly we will use structured negotiations and other means short of actual litigation to attain full and equal access when feasible and argue in the courtroom to achieve our rights as blind and visually impaired people when absolutely necessary i feel confident that this organization and its members will be wise enough to use all of the legal tools at our disposal and savvy enough to know when and where to use them. Additional Information for Social Security Beneficiaries and Representative Payees Who Are Visually Impaired by Melanie Brunson I have told you in a previous issue about the recent court decision that requires the Social Security Administration to provide correspondence in certain alternate formats to individuals who are blind or visually impaired and either receive Social Security benefits or act as representative payees for Social Security beneficiaries. There have been some new developments in this case since we last discussed it here, so readers who fall into one of the groups I just mentioned should pay close attention to the information that follows. The deadline by which the Social Security Administration was supposed to begin implementing this mandate was originally April fifteenth, two 2010. That deadline for compliance has been extended to May twenty-fourth, two 2010. Those who have made requests for information in Braille or documents in Microsoft Word format on a CD should begin receiving most of their notices and letters in the format they have requested after May 24, 2010. However, local field offices have until the end of September 2010 to begin sending out certain notices that they generate themselves in the formats that beneficiaries have requested. One very significant change that has taken place recently is that beginning sometime in 2011, the Social Security Administration intends to provide the additional formats of large print and audio CD automatically to those who request them. Due to the number of requests they have received for documents in these formats, they decided to add them to the list of formats that would be granted automatically upon request. Until they can begin providing these formats, the Social Security Administration will provide an interim alternate format of either telephone call, certified mail, or standard mail before May 24, 2010, and either a telephone call and standard print letter, certified mail, standard mail, braille, or Microsoft Word on a CD after May 24, 2010. There is no time limit for when requests can be made. I have some further information about how to do it for those who have not yet acted but may wish to do so. I also have some important information for those of you who have requested that information be sent to you in a format other than Braille and Microsoft Word on CD that were mandated by the court or large print and audio CD that SSA will provide automatically in 2011. Please read on. First, here is an important telephone number. 1-877-708-1776 Call this phone number to either listen to a recording of the notice about the court decision that was sent out by the Social Security Administration, or to make a request for notices in either Braille or Microsoft Word CD. Remember that requests for the formats mentioned above must be granted by Social Security. They will also automatically grant requests for notices and other information to be sent by certified mail or communicated by means of a telephone call. Requests can also be made online by going to Social Security's website, www.socialsecurity.gov, slash n-o-t-i-c-e-s slash and following the steps provided individuals who have hearing impairments can call social security's tty number 1-800-325-0778 finally local social security offices can process these requests if you want to visit them in person we hope and expect that soon individuals will also be able to request large print and audio cd by calling the number mentioned above though as of now they still have to call the regular ssa 800 number mentioned below if braille microsoft word on a cd telephone call and standard print letter certified mail or standard mail do not work for you you have a right under this court ruling to request that notices and other information be sent to you in another format such as large print cassette tape or audio cd as mentioned above beginning in 2011 ssa will begin to provide large print and audio cd automatically as of now if you desire large print audio cd or any other format including audio cassette you must call Social Security's regular toll-free number, 1-800-772-1213. If you request large print or audio CD, the agency employee will ask you to also choose an interim format that the agency will automatically provide while your request is pending. Once the request for large print or audio format is approved, the agency will then provide the standardized cover letter in the interim format until the means to produce notices in large print and audio formats are in place. The interim formats available beginning May 24, 2010 are Braille, Microsoft Word Document on CD, Telephone Call, and Standard Print Letter, Certified Mail, or a standard print letter. If you are requesting a format other than Braille, Microsoft Word document on CD, large print or audio CD, SSA is supposed to note your request and call you back within 30 days of the date your request was made. During this call, they will ask for your contact information, social security number, the alternate format you need in order to access information about your benefits, and most importantly the reason why none of the formats that are automatically provided will work for you within 45 days after this phone call you must receive a decision from social security the decision granting or denying your request must be sent to you in writing and it must be in large print Social Security can deny your request only if SSA personnel decide that another format is effective for you or if it would be an undue burden on Social Security to honor your request. If you do not agree with this decision, you have a right to appeal it. I urge everyone who is considering making a request to Social Security to do so as soon as possible and to keep track of the following information. The date the request is made the names and locations of any SSA representatives you speak with if making the request by phone, any problems you encounter while making the request, and all follow-up contact with Social Security representatives. The attorneys who helped us win this landmark case, the Disability Rights Education Defense Fund, DREDF, are monitoring how requests are being handled by Social Security. If you want to report any problems, provide other feedback about your experience requesting alternate format information, or discuss your options following the denial of a request, please feel free to contact them in one of the following ways. Call 1-800-348-4232 between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Send an email to SSACLASS a-c-t-i-o-n at d-r-e-d-f dot org or complete their online survey which can be found at mm-hmm. http colon slash slash dot com slash s slash six eight j-k-v-w-5 ACB is also keeping track of any information staffers receive about how requests are being handled, so please share your experiences with us as well. You can call the National Office or send information by email to B-L-E-M-O-I-N-E at acb.org. Now that we have finally won recognition of the rights of people who are blind to receive information that is essential to their welfare in a format that they can access independently, it is important that we exercise this right. Please do not wait. Contact Social Security and make your voice heard. If you need further information first, contact me or the staff at DREDF. We will keep you posted as the implementation of this case moves ahead. Announcing Upcoming Sleep Studies in Totally Blind Individuals Are you blind with no light perception? Do you have problems sleeping or trouble with daytime sleepiness? Non-24-hour sleep-wake disorder occurs in some individuals who are totally blind and lack the photic sensitivity necessary to reset the body clock via light exposure. This can lead to problems with sleep, and or daytime excessive sleepiness you can help researchers understand non-24-hour sleep-wake disorder by taking a brief phone survey in addition you will have the opportunity to be informed of upcoming clinical studies recruiting in your area survey participants need to be over 18 years of age be blind with no light perception have sleep problems and or daytime sleepiness Collected information will be kept strictly confidential. For each completed survey, a donation of $25 up to $50,000 will be made to the American Council of the Blind. If you want to participate in the survey, please call 1-877-314-5002 Monday through Friday between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you. Go the Extra Mile for ACB by Burl Colley Hi, ACB conventioners, Do you want to step out and have some fun? Do you want to experience that rush that comes when you can square your shoulders and hit your stride? Then join the ACB Walk-a-thon team Saturday morning, July 10th, and participate in the second annual ACB Walk-a-thon in Phoenix. We will be inside this year in the air-conditioned Arizona Mills Mall. This year, you can choose to walk one, two, or three miles. Each circuit around the inside of the mall equals a mile. We can't have any running because of liability issues with the mall, but you can walk fast. We will take buses from the Sheraton Hotel to the mall, do the walk, then hold an awards ceremony before boarding the buses back to the hotel. ACB President Mitch Pomerance is flying in from Los Angeles to make the awards presentation. It only costs $25 to participate. You don't even have to walk in Phoenix. You can pay the $25 and be a virtual walker. For more information about virtual walking, call the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and talk to Dina Wilson or email her d-w-i-l-s-o-n at acb.org you can also sign up on the walk website www.acbwalk.com or by calling alicia clausen at 612-332-3242 need more information contact dan Dillon at 615 874-1223 or via email d-a-n dot d-i-l-l-o-n at b-e-l-l-s-o-u-t-h dot net time is running out to sign up and start getting those pledges the heat may be on but you can be a cool member of the acb walk team let's go the extra mile for acb wild times at the auction in the wild west hey you desperados come join the hootin' and hollerin' at the annual acb auction to be held wednesday evening july 14th phoenix will be full of highway robbery when that new cowpoke mitch pomerantz joins the auction committee gang since the auction will be ending at 11 p.m sharp you drifters don't even have to stay up too late to get your share of the booty. And it's all to help ACB continue to do the great things we do. As the convention approaches, we'll provide you with news about some of the amazing items up for sale this year. The ACB auction will not continue to be a huge success without your support. The auction will begin with the sale of affiliate baskets, giving your state or special interest affiliate a chance to show off the bounty it can provide. End of Side 1 Side 2 The Braille Forum Volume 48 May 2010 Number 11 This side contains Seeking Volunteers for the Information Desk by Janet Dickelman In Memoriam Lorinda Steele Lacey by John McCann Readers' Memories of Lorinda Steele Lacey BOP BOP Launches Stellar 2010 Candidates Page The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss Seeking New Members and Making Life Better for Older People with Vision Loss By Marilyn Lutter and Penny Reeder Join the FIA Chorus By Peter Altschul Rowing in Phoenix, Where's the Water? By Ariel Gilbert Continuing with Wild Times at the Auction in the Wild West affiliates or individuals that a description of the item must be submitted to us by not later than june 30th we ask that you submit your brief descriptions to marcia farrow her email is m-a-r-s-h-a-f-a-r-r-o-w at w-i-n-d-s-t-r-e-a-m dot net and her telephone number is 706-857-2968 If you prefer not to carry your item to Phoenix, you may send it ahead of time to Auction Committee Member and Arizona Council of the Blind President, Barbara McDonald. Her address is 1727 West Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N, Road, Phoenix, Arizona, 85015-5828. Your items must be received by July 2nd, and be sure to mark them for ACB Auction. So remember, all you varmints, we're counting on you to make this the best auction ever. Seeking Volunteers for the Information Desk by Janet Dickelman Thanks to those of you who volunteered and made my first year as Convention Desk Coordinator run so smoothly— and to those of you who complimented our efforts, I was asked to coordinate the information desk again this year in Phoenix. I certainly hope those of you who volunteered last year will consider doing so again. We also like seeing new faces at the desk. The desk will open Thursday afternoon, July 8th, for early convention arrivals. It will be open Friday, July 9th through Friday, July 16th, from 7:30 a.m. to 7:30 p.m. We will be the place to go for banquet table reservations. Eight people per table, please. And give us all the names of members of your party when booking a table. This year, we will take reservations for partial tables, a good way to make new friends. The information desk will also be the place to drop off your door prizes. If possible, please label all prizes in both Braille and print. We will have a lost and found box and a suggestion box. And yes, we are the place to contact to leave your room number for newspaper delivery. Our main focus is to answer your convention-related questions accurately, quickly, and professionally. Information Desk volunteers need to quickly search for information as to the location of meetings, caucuses, and special activities, be patient and friendly, and be able to work in a fast-paced environment where several people may be waiting for your assistance volunteers should be able to work a minimum block of three hours of course you can always stop by the desk during the convention and volunteer your services however having at least a partial schedule of volunteers seemed to work very well last year we are also looking for someone who has their own laptop or note taker and would be able to help jim shaw copy files files will be copied saturday morning through friday morning you should have the capability of copying files to a thumb drive, compact flash card, or a high capacity SD card. If you are interested in volunteering, please email me at janet.dickelman at gmail.net. Janet.dickelman at gmail.net. Please note, this is a change in my email address. Or call 651 428 5059. Isabel and I look forward to seeing all of you in Phoenix. In memoriam, Lorinda Steele Lacey by John McCann. As I sit down to write this tribute to Lorinda Steele Lacey, though it has been five weeks now since her passing i hardly know where to begin for each one of us there are people we meet who have a profound impact on our lives the things we cherish the values we hold the people we become lorinda was just such a person in my life for reasons you will understand and appreciate after finishing this article Until the spring of 1965, Lorenda lived a fairly typical mid-20th century American baby-boomer existence. But that all came to an end, though only a temporary one, when she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, which required surgery and subsequent radiation treatments, procedures which saved her life but which destroyed her eyesight. I should think it goes without saying that there's no good or optimum time to lose one's sight— but i personally feel that having such occur during one's teenage years has to rank as being about the worst time for lorinda though her sight loss was simply a challenge albeit an unwelcome one which she was determined to and did confront successfully with the love and support of her family and friends she completed high school on schedule and after graduating from goucher college was selected as a presidential management intern and began working for the Architectural and Transportation Barriers Compliance Board, the Access Board, an agency in which she held increasingly responsible positions until her retirement in 2004. The Board's original mandate was to enforce the Architectural Barriers Act of 1968— but the scope of its regulatory responsibilities expanded significantly with the passage of successive amendments to the rehabilitation act and the americans with disabilities act a circumstance which facilitated the upward trajectory of lorinda's career of service for lorinda accessibility was not merely a job or even a career it was her true passion as she loved to vacation at rehoboth beach delaware in the late 1970s she designed her own beach house to include an access ramp though she herself did not need such an accommodation the placement of this ramp in the only location possible violated a city ordinance in that it was too close to her property line and she was told that her architectural plans would not be approved she immediately hired an attorney and after explaining her position to the cognizant authorities, she was granted the necessary variance. Also, those of us blind folk who regularly vacation at Rehoboth Beach and who dine at its many fine restaurants have Lorinda to thank for the fact that so many of them have Braille menus. Lorinda was also active in many activities outside of her professional commitments. She was a lifelong member of her parish church— and was very involved in curcio a catholic spiritual movement she regularly attended ski for light since the early 80s and was a member of the national capital area chapter of acb of maryland many acb members will remember her as the perky staff person at the convention information desk in the early 90s she and her mother took several international vacations as for my personal reminiscences i first met Lorinda in 1978 when i was working as a summer legal intern at the access board we were in adjacent offices and we became acquainted during breaks lunch hours and in fairly short order after hours visits to ireland's four provinces with several other co-workers with my return to law school in boston our contact was somewhat sporadic but i distinctly remember having dinner with her at her hotel on may 21st 1979 when she was in boston on business just how is it that i can remember that specific date well there are several things you need to know about me and the eve of that particular day in history in order to truly appreciate the significance of this dinner engagement one i am and was then a fanatical new york rangers hockey fan two that was the day on which the final game of the 1979 stanley cup finals between the new york rangers and montreal canadiens was played and three that was also the day before four successive days of law school finals i'm thinking that dinner engagement was probably not just about getting something to eat i continued to see lorinda occasionally in the dc area but we would more often get together at rehoboth beach usually during song-fests on the front porch of the Melbourne, the bed-and-breakfast where I've vacationed for the last twenty years or so. I would bring the guitar. She would provide the lion's share of the merriment. It's the memories of those sing-alongs that keep going through my mind so often now. Just don't ask me to play Scotch and Soda or anything by the Kingston Trio anytime soon. But of more lasting importance and relevance, I remember and remain continually inspired by, Lorinda's abiding religious faith, her ever cheerful nature, her grace, and her indomitable spirit. And so we come full circle, for it is my knowledge, my witness of these qualities, which has, in no small measure, shaped my life in such a positive way. Readers' Memories of Lorinda Steele Lacey i met lorinda in about 1968 when she was a senior at bethesda chevy chase high school she and her mother came to washington college where i taught at the time in chestertown maryland on the eastern shore she was thinking of going to college there but she picked goucher instead i hope it wasn't something i said roger peterson mountain view california i had several opportunities to work with her while she worked at the access board and always enjoyed them lorinda was one of the most cheerful people i have known and very knowledgeable too a combination of traits that i could not help but admire we will miss her melanie brunson acb executive director arlington virginia i haven't seen lorinda in years but was thinking about her just the other day i worked the convention office when she worked the information desk and we used to pass information back and forth all the time and occasionally cover for each other i think the last time i saw her was shortly after she and chip got married she and pat were very good friends isn't it weird that they passed away so close to each other Jean Mann, gilderland new york both gail and i spent lots of quality time with lorinda i had not seen her for a long time but she had a sparkle and a zest for life that will be sorely missed she also had a body of knowledge and a commitment to making the world a more accessible place for people who are blind and visually impaired she will be sorely missed by all of us who knew her she lit up any room she was in and struggled long and hard to beat what eventually took her from us we need more people who sparkle and must lament when such a brilliant light goes out paul edwards miami florida for those of us in maryland and in particular our local chapter we are all grieving over this loss lorinda was such a special person her warmth and sincerity were genuine she cared deeply for those of us who needed assistance from time to time and was always there for a pep talk her husband chip and mother sally always attended our chapter meetings with Lorinda. And did so much to care for her over the last six months when i think of lorinda i will remember a classy lady who cared for others and made everyone she met feel special pat sheehan silver spring maryland lorinda was another person whom i considered to be brilliant and a real mentor i loved getting to talk with her sometimes when i would call the access board i usually asked for her whether it was really one of her major areas i was calling about or not i have not kept in touch with her over the past several years but the memories of her are something i cherish i also am one of many men who used to flirt with her incessantly it was harmless fun but i am getting frustrated at so many wonderful women i used to flirt with expiring they need to stop doing that yes i have to put a little humor into the good memories i think that is important but seriously losing lorinda and pat in the same month is very very hard i'll bet they are already teaming up to stir things up in their new location though michael Byington, topeka kansas bop launches stellar 2010 candidates page In 2010, the Valley of the Sun will play host to a treasure trove of ACB political talent at our convention in Phoenix. The Board of Publications again hosts an Internet Candidates page at www.acb.org. The Candidates page is a portion of the ACB website where people declaring candidacy for office have a chance to share their thoughts with the ACB membership entries on this page do not constitute nomination for any office that process doesn't happen until our convention starts people may campaign for office without submitting entries to the candidates page all candidates are asked to respond to a set of questions with our convention being held later in july this year we have extended the deadlines for candidates to get their submissions to us We are also offering those with social networking and personal websites a chance to promote their candidacy via our web page. But you won't get to take advantage of this great opportunity if you don't submit. Many members have told us how much they appreciate the opportunity to participate more actively in ACB's democracy because of the early dissemination of information from the online candidates page. In 2010, ACB members will elect five people to fill ACB board positions and three to fill positions on the Board of Publications. The appointed members of the Board of Publications have developed the following items to be addressed by each candidate. 1. Introduce yourself and talk about your experience within ACB and other organizations. 2. If you could change one thing about ACB, what would it be and why? 3. List three issues you plan to work on should you be elected and how you plan to affect change in those three areas. Candidates for the Board of Publications should answer question 1 and may skip questions 2 and 3. Anyone seeking a seat on the Board of Publications should answer the following questions. 4. What specific talents and experience qualify you for the Board of Publications? 5. How do you see the role of the Board of Publications as it relates to ACB's Internet and social networking presence? In 2010, we encourage candidates to include addresses for any social networking or personal websites related to their campaigns for ACB National Office at the end of their submissions. We will only accept social networking or personal websites. You may include your email address, but no discussion or distribution list addresses. Links will not be live from the page to these sites. This information will not count in the word count of any answer. Candidates may address each item with a maximum of 300 words. Submit material in any of the following accessible, readable media. Hard copy print or braille, computer disk, in ASCII text, WordPerfect 5.1, or Microsoft Word formats, or via email. Pasting the text into an email message is preferable to sending attachments, but attachments in ASCII Text, Microsoft Word, or WordPerfect 5.1 will be accepted. Please note that the National Office has Word 2003 and is unable to open documents in newer versions of Word. Submissions will not be accepted via telephone, voicemail, audio cassette, or in handwriting. Note that we will not edit submissions for spelling, grammar, or content. Submissions will be coded into HTML for placement on the website. It is our webmaster's role to convert documents into HTML. We will not accept submissions which you have coded in this format yourself. Word counts are based on the total number of words in each answer, with each answer being a maximum of 300 words. Word counts will be determined through the use of Microsoft Word's Word Count feature, in which every word contained in the answer enters into the total word count. Hard copy submissions will be converted into electronic format, then counted. Entries for each answer will terminate at the end of the sentence containing the 300th word. When submitting answers electronically, candidates should place name, address, telephone numbers, and email addresses at the top of the body of the submission. When submitting information in hard copy, place the requested identifying information at the top of the first page and name and page number at the top of each subsequent page. Place any complete URLs for social networking sites or personal web pages at the end of the submission. Send completed submissions to the following address. American Council of the Blind, Candidates, page 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. Email submissions to slovering at acb.org with Candidates, page in the subject line. Timelines Submissions should be mailed, either by postal delivery or electronic mail, so that they reach the ACB National Office no later than 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on June 15, 2010. When we receive a declared candidate's materials, we will check the membership database to ensure that he or she is a member in good standing. The online Candidates page will be available at the ACB website as soon after the submission deadline as possible. The pages will be available online no later than 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on June 25th and will remain online at www.acb.org until the conclusion of convention. We encourage ACB members who have computer access to share the contents of the Candidate's Page with members who do not. Anyone who does not have Internet access to the Candidate's Page may call the ACB National Office and request the information in an accessible format. An announcement will go out to all ACB lists when the page is up and ready for viewing. The Board of Publications will also host the Candidate's Forum, a live question-and-answer session for all declared candidates on Thursday of Convention Week at 7 p.m. Phoenix time, which will be broadcast live on ACB Radio. We want to hear from you. Submit questions in writing to the Communication Center and stay tuned for more details about this exciting event. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss Seeking New Members and making life better for older people with vision loss by marilyn lutter and penny reader the alliance on aging and vision loss aavl is a special interest affiliate of the american council of the blind although we are one of acb's youngest affiliates we were founded only a dozen years ago our members are among those in acb who have accumulated the most years of experience with blindness and with coming together in organizations to improve conditions for people who are blind, change lives, and gain support from one another. The event that spurred ACB members to found a separate affiliate to concentrate on age-related vision loss was an epidemic of age-related macular degeneration, which continues to affect increasing numbers of people between the ages of 50 and 90, Believing that people who experience blindness later in life are too often at a loss about coping with diminished vision, frequently depressed, and too likely to give up on their abilities to live independently and well, ACB members decided to form the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss to confront these problems and reach out to the aging population who experience vision loss in their later years. Other causes of vision loss associated with age include diabetic retinopathy, cataracts, stroke, and glaucoma. Whatever the cause, loss of vision in later life can present seemingly insurmountable challenges to people who have been used to relying on good vision and for their family members and friends. Loss of vision is one of the most feared health complications, and grief and depression often accompany vision loss. We in AAVL welcome anyone who is losing vision in later life, as well as blind and visually impaired women and men who want to reach out to others for whom blindness is a new experience and offer support. In addition, we welcome everyone in ACB who is getting older, and who isn't, who finds the complications of aging to be particularly burdensome for those of us who already have long experience with vision loss. Are you coming to Phoenix for the ACB National Convention in July? If you are, we hope you will add AAVL's events to your schedule of programs, luncheons, and get-togethers. We would love to meet you and talk with you about all the ways we can work together to offer support to older people who are blind and visually impaired. We hope you can come to our luncheon and business meeting on Monday, July twelfth, and our program and musical mixer on Wednesday, July fourteenth. We would love to get to know you, and we hope that you will attend some of our events and our interesting convention programs and decide to join us. AAVL membership dues are only $15 a year. Check your registration information for luncheon costs and convention registration fees, and add AAVL to your schedule of convention events. Of course, you don't have to attend the ACB National Convention to get to know us better— contact oral o miller our president or call acb's national office or visit the acb website to pay your dues and sign up for membership we will add you to the list of subscribers to our award-winning newsletter the hourglass and welcome your involvement in our organization where getting older is no excuse for not making a difference join the fia chorus by peter altschul As many of you know, Friends in Art, FIA, puts on the Showcase of the Performing Arts in conjunction with ACB's annual conventions. Usually, the second half of these showcases starts off with the FIA Chorus, singing an arrangement written by an FIA member specifically for the chorus. The styles of these arrangements vary from year to year, but they are always fun to sing. Those interested in arranging something for us are welcome to contact me at the email address later in the article. If you are coming to Phoenix this year and are interested in joining the chorus, we would like to hear from you. We ask this whether or not you have sung with us in the past, as our database of choristers is hopelessly out of date. You need not be a trained singer. You just have to enjoy singing and be willing to follow directions. If you are interested, please one send your name snail mail address and email address to me at p a l t s c h u l at c e n t u r y t e l dot net also let me know if you wish to be sent the lyrics in braille or large print and which part soprano alto tenor or bass you wish to sing this information is important because we send a practice CD and lyrics to all those interested in joining us. The CD not only contains the arrangement, but versions of the arrangement with each part highlighted, so you can learn your part prior to the convention. 2. Once you receive the CD, please do your best to learn your part. 3. At the convention, we ask that you attend two rehearsals, one on Sunday, July eleventh, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., and the other on monday july 12th from 10 to 11 p.m please arrive at the location of the showcase by 7 p.m on tuesday july 13th reprise send your information to me so that we can include you in this year's chorus we look forward to working with you in phoenix rowing in phoenix where's the water by ariel gilbert rowing is coming to the acb conference in phoenix this is the third year the acb fitness equipment equity task force has sponsored the indoor rowing event it will take place on two evenings at the recreation zone end of side two side three the braille forum volume 48 may 2010 number 11 this side contains. Book Market Library Users of America to host Book Flea Market by Peggy R. Garrett. One book, one ACB by Paul Edwards. Affiliate News Here and There, edited by Sue Lichtenfels. High tech swap shop. Continuing with Rowing in Phoenix, Where's the Water? By Ariel Gilbert. Three years ago, I approached Oral Miller with the idea of having rowing as an event at the ACB conference. As a rower himself for the Princeton crew team, Oral immediately related his experience of being recruited to the crew because he was tall. We shared our stories of competing and the thrill of competing on an equal playing field with sighted athletes. As a competitive rower and the outreach manager for Guide Dogs for the Blind, It has been exciting for me to share my two passions, rowing and guide dogs, with the participants of the ACB Conference. Rowing is a sport I enjoyed in college prior to losing my sight, and I was able to continue to row after I became blind. I was on the U.S. National Adaptive Team for six years and helped bring rowing to the Paralympics. I continue to row on a local rowing team where I am the only athlete who is blind out of 400 rowers. I appreciate having the opportunity to promote the sport of rowing and share information about guide dogs through the ACB conference. You may wonder how rowing relates to my job as the outreach manager for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Having a guide dog promotes an active lifestyle. The activity level varies with the individual, but the dog still needs regular daily exercise— Many people considering a guide dog ask me how my dog fits into all the training and activities I do. Splash, my three-year-old female German Shepherd, accompanies me to the gym and boathouse daily. When I am on the water rowing, she rides on the boat with my coach. This year in Phoenix, the Rio Salado Rowing Club will be bringing rowing machines and volunteers to teach the rowing stroke and to coach you through your competition. Concept 2, the company that manufactures the rowing machines, will be providing many prizes. There will be events for gender and age groups, as we have done in past years. Please come by the Recreation Zone to learn about adaptive rowing. The dates will be announced closer to convention time. I will also be in the exhibit hall with Splash at the GDB booth to provide school updates and answer any questions about the guide dog lifestyle. Book Market Library Users of America to Host Book Flea Market by Peggy R. Garrett Lua is holding a book flea market, book mark it, again this year at the 2010 ACB Convention. You may donate books to Lua or sell or trade with others. This is an opportunity to clean off your bookshelves and share some of your favorites, as well as pick up some new ones. We encourage conventioneers to bring your braille, large print, and audiobooks to sell or trade. The book market will be held on Tuesday, July 13th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. This will be our third book market. Those of you who attended last year will remember the fun we had discussing the books we had read. So join us for refreshments and share your reading experiences since the last time we were together. Don't forget that it is not necessary to pack those large volumes of Braille books in your suitcases. You can mail them, free matter for the blind, to yourself at the hotel, and then reuse the same packages to mail any books that you get at the flea market to your home address. So gather up those books that are just collecting dust, and we'll meet you at the book market in Phoenix to get some great new books. LUA will also hold its pre-convention board meeting on Saturday and informative and entertaining programs on Monday and Wednesday afternoons. See the convention program for exact times and room locations. LUA is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Established in 1987, LUA is composed of individuals who are interested in improving library services for people who are blind or visually impaired. LUA members network and advocate for maintaining and increasing services for people who are unable to read regular print. LUA hosts a listserv, library talk at acb.org, and disseminates a newsletter, The Ledger, semi-annually, to help keep members and other interested individuals informed. The group advocates for funding to National Library Services, and new technology to enhance and improve accessibility to reading materials for people who are print-impaired. Membership is open to all interested individuals. One Book, One ACB by Paul Edwards Join Library Users of America at the convention on July 14, 2010 for our second One Book, One ACB book discussion group. The broader concept of the one-book activity originally started as a community-wide reading or one-book program designed to promote the value of reading by recommending a compelling book that links the community in a common conversation. Everyone reads the same book, and then people participate in one-book programs which encourage dialogue about a particular book, but also foster lifelong learning and the development of a strong community identity. Launched in Seattle in 1998 with great success, the one-book concept has swept the nation and is a true reading library phenomenon. Lua is proud to be bringing this community-building experience to ACB once again with the second One Book, One ACB event. Please join us on Wednesday, July 14th at 3.30 p.m. for the One Book, One ACB book discussion group featuring the book, Crashing Through... A True Story of Risk, Adventure, and the Man Who Dared to See, by Robert Curson. Many of you may know Mike May, head of the Sendero Group. He has been at many ACB conventions. This book is about his experiences after surgery restored some of his sight. He was blinded at the age of three in a chemical accident. He was a well-adjusted, capable blind person. What made him decide to undergo this surgery? How did he adjust or not adjust to having some vision restored? Many of you may already have read this fascinating book. If you have, join us and share your impressions. If not, it is available on cassette from NLS as RC63747 and can be downloaded and read on a range of devices from BARD as db six three seven four seven. It is available in Braille as BR17156 and can be ordered from your cooperating network library or downloaded from web Braille. It is also available in a large print edition produced by Random House, which can be ordered through interlibrary loan. Bookshare also has it, and it can be obtained as a DAISY download through Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic as dl hx 195 Last year our discussion was lively and thought-provoking. With Mike May's story, we expect an even more stimulating dialogue. Was what Mike did brave or foolhardy? Did he lose more than he gained? Would you opt to try surgery to get some sight back? Become a part of the discussion of crashing through and become a part of our one book, 1ACB one community. affiliate news iowa chapter arranges mexico exchange the dubuque chapter of the iowa council of the united blind arranged for a group of blind adults to visit dubuque in october november as a cultural exchange gabby nessler's brother who is blind is the director of a center for the blind in durango mexico and he and the chapter planned the visit together now the chapter is planning a return cultural exchange to durango city mexico we are inviting people who are blind to go to durango mexico with us for one week june 13th through 20th 2010 housing meals etc are covered by the center in durango transportation to durango is the only expense we are hoping to get about 15 participants Reprinted below is the invitation. We'd like to invite you and the people willing to participate on this cultural exchange to come visit and enjoy our town, Durango, Mexico, which has a colonial background, hospitable people, and a wide cultural tradition with a lot of artistic, culinary, and outdoorsy activities such as camping, hiking, biking, thermal spring, among others. On Sunday, June 13th, you will be picked up from the airport or bus station on your arrival and then be taken to have a meal. Afterwards, we will take you to your lodgings. Once you're settled in, we propose you join us on this plan of activities. Walking around downtown Durango, taking a tour through very important historical places, such as Juarez University Head Office Building, zambrano's palace settlement for the state's government offices escarcega's palace former city hall governor's official residence cerro del mercado iron deposit which gave rise to the city plaza de la discapacidad handicap place guadiana park and las alamedas walk getting a little away from the city and visiting el pueblito by the tunal river the best place to go for a picnic guadalupe victoria reservoir chupaderos former film sets peña del aguila reservoir canatlan de las manzanas el eden hydrothermal springs and la joya water park we will eat enormous country-style tacos at los farolitos tacos al pastor gorditas and also taste the traditional menudo at La Pavita. These are among many other activities and surprises that you will discover once you are here. The mayor will welcome you to the city, and the governor will greet you. You will also get the chance to say hi to the legislators during our visit to the House of Deputies. Anyone interested should call Bob or Gabby Nestler as soon as possible at 563 five five seven zero nine eight seven light your way and support the work of Guide Dog Users of Florida. Guide Dog Users of Florida GDUF, is one of the newest affiliates of FCB and Guide Dog Users Incorporated. One of our primary goals is to educate guide dog users regarding their rights and responsibilities with GDUF members serving as mentors for those who seek that assistance. To promote safe travel for guide dog teams and all pedestrians, we would like to tell you about one of our current fundraisers, which is the sale of a lighted safety armband. This is an LED light, visible up to one mile, with a three-position slide switch on the device. The middle position is the off position. Sliding the switch to one side causes the light to blink. Sliding the switch in the other direction displays a steady light the band is adjustable to fit on an arm an ankle or a guide dog harness making it a natural fit for any pedestrian bicyclist or jogger pedestrians of all ages can benefit from the added safety of making drivers aware of their presence with this easy to use lighted armband this safety armband can be yours for a ten dollar donation to guide dog users of florida to procure one or more Please send your check or money order paid to the order of Guide Dog Users of Florida to Patricia A. Lipovsky, L-I-P-O-V-S-K-Y, 1129 Bradenton Road, Daytona Beach, Florida, 32114. If you would like to learn more about these armbands or have any further questions, you may reach her at 386-255-0488 or via email p-l-i-p-o-v-s-k-y at c-f-l dot dot com here and there edited by sue lichtenfels the announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the american council of the blind its officers or staff listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers the Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to info at acb.org or phone the national office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date usaba sports festival the u.s association of blind athletes usaba will host a sports festival and mission vision program july 27th to august 2nd in colorado springs blind and visually impaired athletes including veterans and active duty service members come from around the United States to train, learn, refine their abilities, and compete alongside their peers in various sports clinics instructed by USABA national coaches. Participants arrive July 27th and 28th. The sports festival will be held July 29th to 30th, and the Rocky Mountain State Games will be held July 30th to August 1st. The Rocky Mountain State Games is a multi-sport festival, This year's competition offers more than 31 sports. For more information, visit www.usaba.org or contact Rich Cardillo at 719-630-0422, extension 15, or email military at usaba.org governor moorhead reunion calling all gms alums friends and anyone who wants to join us in a fun filled weekend the governor moorhead school alumni association will hold its annual convention reunion august 6th to 8th 2010 at the holiday inn north raleigh in raleigh north carolina this will be a memorable occasion because activities will be held at the ash avenue campus and the campus of the old Garner Road School. To complete a convention application and to learn more about the Governor Moorhead School Alumni Association, go to www.gmsaai.org, or call Annie Edgerton Carson at 919-556-0786 if you do not have access to a computer. Free Writer's Course Rebecca Hine offers a free teleconference seminar for writers. This set of five sessions, 90 minutes each, is entitled The Music of Writing. Generally, the calendar for each five-session seminar is set according to the schedules of the participants. Class size is limited to five participants and is filled on a first-come, first-served basis. Enrollment for the next course closes July 1, 2010. To sign up, Call Rebecca Hine at 1-888-921-9595 or send an email to rhein at vcn.com and put the music of writing in the subject line. You are encouraged to follow up your email with a phone call. Help Desk Hits 3000 Congratulations to Ray Campbell and the Chicago Lighthouse for assisting more than 3,000 users by way of their Adaptive Technology Help Desk. Since its inception in 2006, Ray has helped individuals from 49 states, Canada, China, South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia. The Adaptive Technology Help Desk is a free-to-use, one-stop resource for any person who is blind or visually impaired or who works with this population who seeks assistance with a technology-related problem. The Help Desk takes requests weekdays from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Central Time by phone at 1-888-825-0080 or via email to dot C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L at C-H-I-C-A-G-O-L-I-G-H-T-H-O-U-S-E dot org. Music Study Needs Feedback Adam Ockleford, a researcher in the UK, is undergoing a new study to determine the effects visual impairment has on the development of music in babies, children, and young adults— He seeks individuals who have been diagnosed with Leber's amaurosis, despite whether they seem musically inclined, to complete a short questionnaire. Ockleford has conducted and published two earlier studies with a similar focus, which analyzed participants experiencing septo-optic dysplasia and retinopathy of prematurity. His findings thus far indicate that there are varying levels of musical development based on the nature of a person's vision loss. For example, children with COD are more likely than a sighted child to have perfect pitch. And for children with ROP, the chances of having perfect pitch are even greater, approximately 4,000 times that of a sighted child. To participate in the newest study for those with Leber's amaurosis. Or to learn more about previous study results, contact Adam Ockleford by internationally calling 07818-456-472 or by emailing a-o-c-k-e-l-f-o-r-d at r-o-e-h-a-m-p-t-o-n dot a-c-dot-u-k. Want a high school diploma? The Hadley School for the Blind offers free distance learning programs for thousands of students who are visually impaired around the country. Students can complete Hadley's high school diploma program at their own pace from the comfort of their own home, regardless of age. Each summer, Hadley honors its graduates by hosting a graduation ceremony at its Winnetka, Illinois facility. Hadley covers all expenses for each graduate and one guest to attend the ceremony. With a high school diploma from Hadley, graduates can either continue on to college or begin their work life. You can learn more about Hadley at www.hadley.edu or by calling 1-800-323-4238. Social Networking Made Accessible Anna Dresner's newest book, Social Networking and You, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn for blind users is now available through National Braille Press. Anna discusses what these sites are, how to get started on them, and privacy-related issues when using them. She provides an overview of commands for navigating each site and tips for specific screen reader accessibility with each. This book is available in Braille, eBraille, text, and DAISY formats for $12.00. For more information, contact NBP at 1-800-548-7323 or visit www.nbp.org. Free to Good Home I have a Braille King James Bible, both Old and New Testaments, that I am looking to give to a good home. Contact Helen Driscoll at 806-806 three seven nine seven nine zero nine high-tech swap shop for sale pacmate omni qx420 like new only three years old has all the latest upgrades detachable 20 cell braille display also comes with user's manual in word 2003 or pdf format on disk jaws screen reader for windows mobile qwerty keyboard two compact flash type 2 cards rechargeable battery charger and input cables and a leather carrying case with strap asking 1500 dollars includes shipping contact melody inglesby at 336-638-4115 or via email at m h i n g l e s b y at T R I A D dot com. For sale, 20 inch TV with online custom focus magnifying system and remote control, asking $350. Contact Lenny in Lake Worth, Florida, at 561-433-8894. For sale, new Victor Reader Wave, still in original box, asking $200 plus shipping. Pay via PayPal. Contact estebancolon five eight at aol dot com. For sale, Victor Reader Stream asking two hundred dollars. Omni barcode reader like new, asking eight hundred dollars. Icon with docking station five hundred dollars. Braille writer two hundred fifty dollars. Contact Richard Zapata at 602-997-9717 for sale 4 gigabyte mp3 player with 1000 songs headphones and charger asking 80 dollars toshiba laptop 15.6 inch widescreen 250 gig hard drive dvr 3 ram windows xp home edition jaws and microsoft office Asking $750. Desktop computer with one terabyte hard drive, 4 gigs RAM, Windows 7, JAWS, and Microsoft Office. Also includes 19-inch monitor, keyboard, mouse, and speakers. Asking $750. Contact Jose at 818-220-6256. For Sale. Amigo by Enhanced Vision. Never used. Battery-operated, 6.5-inch viewing screen, portable, with carrying case. Asking $800. Negotiable. Call Nancy at 505-281-2059 and leave message. For Sale Nokia N82 Cell Phone with Wayfinder Access, Bluetooth Transmitter, Car Charger, House Charger. Also has KNFB Reader and Polarizers, asking $500. I accept Visa, MasterCard, and Discover. Contact Ray Remmers at 410 653 1899. ACB Officers President Mitch Pomerantz, 1115 Cordova Street, number 402, Pasadena, California. 91106 First Vice President Kim Charlson 57 Grandview Avenue Watertown Massachusetts 02472 Second Vice President Brenda Dillon 313 Overridge Cove Hermitage Tennessee 37076 Secretary Marlena Leiberg 632 South 189th Street burian washington 98148 treasurer mike godino 104 tillrose avenue malvern new york 11565-2024 immediate past president christopher gray 94 ramona avenue san francisco california 94103 acb board of directors ray campbell glen ellen illinois burl collie Lacey, washington Marsha farrow somerville georgia michael garrett missouri city texas billy jean keith arlington virginia carla rusheville louisville kentucky patrick sheehan silver spring maryland jeff tom sacramento california david Trot, talladega alabama cammy vludman oklahoma city oklahoma ex officio marcia dresser redding massachusetts board of publications paul edwards chairman miami florida marcia dresser redding massachusetts judy jackson san antonio texas janine stanley columbus ohio ken stewart warwick new york ex officios michael malver minneapolis minnesota Ron Milliman, Bowling Green, Kentucky. End of Side 3